Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Good morning. Nice to see you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Today we are kicking off a new term, moving into this autumn term, approaching Christmas. Schools go back tomorrow, and in our house that means that our daughter Thea starts school on Tuesday. So after she goes to bed, we are those lame parents who blubber and send baby pictures to each other and mourn where our little girl has gone. But through the summer... This Sunday, the first Sunday in September, is the one where we gather and we try to speak into what do we feel like the Lord is saying to us individually and as a church as we, produce, as we um, move into this new academic year. So through the summer, I have been praying and thinking through that question. And just as Pete so elegantly said, we've had better Septembers. Right? When we look on the news, we see catastrophe and catastrophizing. And so this is the question that I feel like I was grappling every time I drove up to a petrol station through the summer and the little uh, numbers had clocked up a little bit more. My question was, how do we live well in these days? How do we live well in these days? What would Jesus have to say about the times in which we live And I found myself going back to this story that Mark read so beautifully. The story is a well-trodden, well-known story of Jesus calming the storm. Because I think in this story, Jesus illustrates to us how we can be in a storm without letting a storm get into us. How do we be in a storm without letting a storm get into us? And I would suggest that there are a few keys in this story, which I'd love to spend a little bit of time unpacking. And then we're going to pray for some people. We're going to have a bit of time for ministry at the end, a bit of time for strengthening of people and a bit of time for commissioning people. But first of all, if you would, would you try and put yourself into this story? The thing with stories is we become so familiar with them and they lose their impact. But let's feel the waves for a second. Maybe you want to close your eyes. Maybe you want to feel the lurch of the boat as it goes up and down. Maybe you want to taste the spray of the salty water as it goes onto your face and into your eyes. And I want you to remember that these people who were fearing for their lives were sailors. They were fishermen. This was their area of expertise, their area of knowledge. This is no sort of mediocre drift happening in the water. This is a storm that was causing seafaring men to fear for their very lives. And Jesus is asleep. And I think that that's the first key for us. Because this posture of Jesus is the posture by which Jesus seemed to live his entire life. Dallas Willard, the famous theologian and writer who wrote epic Christian books like Renovation of the Heart and Spirit of the Disciplines, was asked one day to sum up Jesus in one word. Do you know what he said? Relaxed. 
relaxed. So how was it that Jesus, who spent his entire ministry under constant and persistent pressure, right? We read about people constantly grabbing him, testing him, hating him, removing roofs above him, grabbing onto his clothing, even trying to stone him. How is this person, how does this Jesus stay relaxed? under constant and persistent pressure. Well, scholars say that if you track the Gospels, the more profile Jesus gained in his ministry, the more we read that he retreated to quiet and secluded places to pray. And if Jesus needed prayer to stay centred, then how much more do we I believe that the only way to maintain a lifestyle that is centered on the promise and the presence and the purposes of God is through secluded prayer. And so in this church, we are committed to that. If that feels hard for you to do by yourself, we have created lots of resources to help you because we believe it's so important. You might want to download the Lex Show 365 app just to be led in your daily devotionals, morning and evening. If you want to pray with other people, we have Zooms happening three times a day, every day. And finally, and I'm so excited for this, this term here in Guildford, we are committed to opening the 24 7 prayer room over in Founders this term for us to do another week of 24-7 prayer in the brand new refurbished Founders because we believe that in this term prayer is essential, prayer and worship is essential to us walking through the storm we see on the horizon. In Psalm 73 we encounter the author and he's, he's lamenting the times in which he lives. He is confused about what he sees happening in the world, and he's basically having a bit of a moan. And then finally we arrive at verse 17, and there's this line, and he says, this pivot happens, and he says, until I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I understood. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, And then I understood. There is something about prayer that opens understanding to us. There is something about God's perspective that only gets discovered in God's presence. I think for me, it's a little bit like every night... Hannah and I, we, um, we have two small children. One is uh, nine months, one is four, about to start school. And they destroy the house every single day. He can't walk, but can he destroy a room? Yes, he can. And he does so on a regular basis. So every night when we get the kids to bed, before we send baby pictures to each other, we have to clean. We have to reset the environment. And I believe that that's kind of what prayer can do for us. I read that apparently the average person today encounters 10,000 adverts in any given day. 10,000. So I did a little bit of math. That is over, if you are awake for 15 hours, which sounds about fair, then that is over 665 every hour. 
That is over 11 every minute. And so that works out as a brand new advert every five to six seconds. And you need to know the intention behind each one of these. Every single advert, there is a group of people who have sat down to try and find ways to pull on your hopes, fears, ambitions, and insecurities. No wonder that our souls get a little bit messy, a little bit cluttered. But there is something about the place of prayer that allows us to reorganize the environment of our heart reorganize the environment of our soul, just like how we have to put stuff away. Sometimes life just happens, right? Like in our house, it's just life happening. Just things that have a place being pulled out. Things that shouldn't be front and center in the middle of the room get put there. Things that should be front and center get pushed to the edge. But as we come back into the place of prayer, it's almost like the lens on a camera that allows us to refocus on the right things. It was until I entered the sanctuary of God. I was confused. I didn't understand the times in which I lived. I didn't understand how to posture myself well. But then I entered the sanctuary of God and there was a reset and a reorientation. I rediscovered God's perspective in God's presence. So that's the first. If Jesus to be relaxed in his life, modeled a life of retreat, prayer, reorientation, then I believe that we must as well. Second, Jesus says at the end of this story, they are afraid because they have little faith. And so how do we move forward into this next term as a people of faith? Because it seems to me that in this story, Jesus sets up those two things in opposition to each other. You can have fear or you can have faith. And actually, when our faith begins to dwindle, we fear, we feel the fear rising up in us. Well, so often when we talk about great faith, I think we picture someone, you know, praying for someone in Starbucks or selling everything and moving out to the front line of mission or whatever it is, you know, the old great revivalists. But more often, I think that stuff is great, and I I encourage you, I pray for it, try to model it. But I think that more often, in our walk, great faith looks like a heart of surrendered trust. Great faith looks like a heart of surrendered trust. A settled heart that can sleep in the storm. A childlike faith that has settled, that has built its life on the truth that dad said it was going to be okay. But here's the challenge I feel when I read this story. The person of Jesus was with the disciples in the boat, right? Or let's put it into more modern day language, the presence, to use Christianese, of Jesus was with the disciples, and yet they were afraid. Now, the Bible promises each one of us, if we walk with the Lord, that the presence of Jesus is with us. But we are still afraid unless we have faith. Faith comes not when the presence of Jesus is with you, but when you trust the presence of Jesus that is with you. 
we partner with the presence of God in surrendered trust as we approach the storm. We are um, in our house deep into learning to ride a bike. And so yesterday, you know, for, in July, we brought Thea a brand new bike. It is the most garish thing you could ever imagine. It's pink and it's got mermaids on it and like rainbow tassels. It's, you know, everyone we like bike past gives me a look and I'm like, yes, I know. Yes, apologies. Here's some sunglasses. Um, but she is learning. She has stabilizers, but she's learning to ride this bike. And she said to me yesterday, as we were riding around Broadwater, just outside of Godalming, she was like, Dad, I will not go if you let go of this handlebar. And I said, I'm not going to let go of the handlebar. This illustration works better when I don't tell you that a little while ago I actually did let go of the handlebar and she did fall over. So, um, But she's learning to ride her bike. And so this time I said, all right, I will not let go of the handlebar. She's like, Dad, if you do, I will stop. I'm like, I know. I will not trust me. I can hold this bike straight. Don't worry. She's like, Dad, I'm not going to move. If you let go of this handlebar, I will not let go of this handlebar. Trust me. I will not let you fall. And I was thinking about this sermon, and I was like, it isn't just the presence of God with me. It's trusting that he will not let me fall. The promise is that Jesus is with you. The promise is also that he will not let you fall. Believe in him. Do you know, Jesus is only ever amazed twice in the Gospels. Two times. The creator of the universe, the one who flung the stars and the galaxies into space, the son of God, divine incarnate, is amazed twice in the Gospels. Once at the lack of faith in his hometown and once at the incredible faith of the Roman centurion. Both times it's faith. Both times it's faith that moves the heart of the Son of God to be amazed. And what do we have? We don't have time to read the stories, but on one side in his hometown we have familiarity that has eroded the faith And on the other hand, we have an understanding of authority. I love the question the disciples ask at the end of this story, if we can bring it up. What kind of man is this? I love that question. What kind of man is this? I'd like to suggest to each and every one of us, This is the question to be asking this term. And where has your answer to that question drifted into familiarity? Where, if you're honest, has he stopped being the one who calms the storm? Where has he stopped being the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings? Where has he stopped being the one to whom everyone on heaven and on earth will bow their knee? Where has he stopped being the great comforter, the great provider, the great strengthener of your soul? Where have you become familiar? Where have you forgotten authority and the authority that rests with the name of Jesus? What kind of man is this? Because I believe... 
If you feel like not only are you living in a storm, but somehow, somewhere along the line, the storm has got into you, I believe that the Lord is wanting to extend an invitation to rediscover. Our friends in Kansas City have this great saying. They say, don't let anything glitter in your eye more than the name of Jesus. I believe today we're going to pray for some people in the end that the Lord is wanting to show himself to you afresh and again this morning. And you know, despite the storm, Jesus knew the mission that he was on. He was going to the other side. And if you read on in the story, what's on the other side is a man possessed by legion, cast out of his community, living in a tomb, And Jesus, in an act of compassion, is going to him to set him free. I believe it's so easy when we walk through a storm to forget the mission, the calling, the purpose that the Lord has placed on our lives. It's so easy to look up at the clouds or down at the waves and not forward at the horizon of where we are called to be going. But Jesus wasn't afraid of the storm because he was with God and he knew where he was going. Where are you going? Where are you going? Where might compassion be sending you somewhere on the horizon? What is on the other side of the storm? Let us not be the people when storm comes that we forget what we're called to do. That we look up, we look in or we look down. Let us look forward to what the Lord has for us. And then I love, Mark makes this little point in the story. It kind of doesn't make any sense. It says, Jesus was in a boat, a storm came up, and there were some other boats. I mean, I figured there'd be some other boats. It's a sea. Do you know what I think Mark is telling us? Jesus wasn't in all of the boats. But when Jesus calmed the storm, it calmed the storm for all of the boats. And I believe that for us, The peace of God that is being extended to you isn't just for you. But it's for the places, the environments, the workplaces, the friends, the family, the colleagues who are walking through the storm who don't have access to the peace that you have. What if Jesus calming your storm is so that you would calm other people's storm? So that you would be a peace bringer in different environments. And so in just a minute, we're going to commission some people. Schools are going back this week, and I feel a burden on my heart to pray for people involved in education. We're going to pray for teachers. We're going to pray for people on PTA boards. We're going to pray for janitors. We're going to pray for people who work in canteens, anyone involved in education, because I believe that the Lord is saying that you are carrying something different into that environment, and it is needed now maybe more than ever. Mark Sayers, a friend who was here a few months ago, puts it so well. And he says, in an anxious time, the world is desperate for people who are a non-anxious presence. We are those people. We're really the only people who can be those people. And so that's number two. Faith as the surrendered heart of trust. And finally, friendship. I often wonder with this story, how many times the disciples told it to each other again and again. I wonder how many times as they went forward in their lives, they would sit around a fire pit 
And they'd say, do you remember that moment? Do you remember the waves? Do you remember the lightning? Do you remember the fear? Do you remember what happened? Do you remember Jesus? Do you remember he spoke and everything went calm? You know, they spent three years asking the question, what kind of man is this? And then they spent the rest of their lives telling everyone because they were so compelled by the answer to that question. And it says that faith comes by hearing. So I want to encourage you as we move forward into this term, what stories are you telling and who are you talking to? What stories are you telling and who are you talking to? I'm not saying that we don't spend time with people who aren't walking with Jesus. I believe the opposite. I believe we're called to do that. But those people won't increase your faith. But it's this community, as the people of God, coming together to tell the stories of God, that the faith gets increased. Peter and myself and Hannah, we've been traveling around the collectives. And I am yet to go to one where people there don't have a story of divine intervention in their lives. Jesus does miracles today. He still does. Put your hand up right now if you can say that the Lord has ever done something in your life that you would call a miracle. I mean, look around. But we must tell the stories. We must tell the stories to one another. In the Old Testament, they were commanded to tell the stories of God. They were commanded to meet together, to feast, and to party in festivals where they would remember everything the Lord has done. We forget because we're forgetful people. And so for that reason, we want to encourage you, if you're not in a collective, join one. We are going to be commissioning four new collectives over the next few weeks. We believe that one of the reasons for that is because it's so vital that the people of God gather together and tell the stories of God, that faith might be increased. That we would walk with God's perspective into the next season. And you know, finally, and then we're going to pray, God often inextricably uses storms in our life to bring us into new levels of freedom. Ignatius of Loyola, a famous Spanish priest who founded the Jesuit movement, he wrote about this thing that he calls indifference, but I think maybe a better translation is freedom. And he said that there is a freedom available to the people of God. It is a freedom at an emotional level from the need for your life to go a certain way for you to be happy and at peace. Let me say that again. There is a freedom available to the people of God on an emotional level from the need for your life to go a certain way for you to be happy or at peace. It is saying that whatever comes, not that we don't feel it, we definitely feel it. But despite feeling it, and regardless of what happens, there is something available to us. There is a freedom available to us that we can still live in wholeness, that we can still live in joy, that we can still live in life and all its fullness. Regardless of the checklist that maybe you made for yourself or a parent or a teacher gave to you or culture has been speaking over you, regardless of that, to you there is an invitation to live free. And what if, 
in this next term, despite everything, the Lord is wanting to use this storm. I've spoken to so many people recently where it feels like life has done a U-turn on them. They felt like life was going in a certain way and suddenly something happens. But what if there is freedom on the other side of that? And I think it's because of this, the famous preacher Spurgeon put it so well. And he said this, I have learnt to kiss the wave that crashes me against the rock of ages. I have learnt to kiss the wave that crashes me against the rock of ages. Yesterday I, I was praying, I was asking the Lord, like, is this the right word? Like, is this the right word for us? And I was walking through town and I ran into um, a member of the Woking congregation who I know fairly well and was just catching up, hadn't seen them all summer. And I said, how was your summer? I hadn't said anything about what I felt like the Lord was calling for us, me to share, us t- to step into this week. And she said, it was really good. She said, I went on holiday. I went to a beach that I went to when I was a young girl. And I remember I've got an old video of, for hours, my dad standing in the waves. And every time a wave came along, he would lift me up over this wave and I'd just giggle. And she said, I went and I stood on that same beach. And the Lord said to me, you have been focusing on the terror of the waves and you have forgotten that I am looking after you. And she said, I came home from that, strengthened in my soul to a difficult medical diagnosis. She's okay, but difficult medical diagnosis. She said, I could handle that because the Lord had reminded me, don't focus on the terror of the waves but focus on the one who is with you and trust in him. So I believe, and right now we're going to pray, I believe that if you find yourself in the same place, the Lord is wanting to minister to some people. So I wonder if maybe we could all stand. I wonder if maybe the band could come up. And I feel like it's right for us to do this as a church. And so maybe take a second right now. Where do you feel like maybe you've been focusing on the terror of the waves? Where do you feel like, if you're honest, the news, the constant catastrophes, you're not just in a storm, but if you're honest, the storm is in you. Where have you become familiar with the person of Jesus again? And I'm just going to ask you to be brave. I'm going to ask you to just stick your hand up because I believe that the Lord is wanting to minister to you right now. And so if that's you, yeah, there's people all over the place. Keep your hand up. Now, church, if you are around anyone with a hand up, I want to ask you, your ministry team today, would you lay your hand on their shoulder? Let's make sure that no one left. If it's appropriate and you want to share anything, feel free. You're under no obligation. The Lord knows. So let's just be praying for them. Is there anyone else?
Amazing. Let's keep praying for them. Pray for faith. Amazing. Keep praying. Also, I feel strongly that the Lord is wanting to commission those involved in education. And so if you are involved in education on any level, if you're a teacher or you work in a school or you're on a board, would you just stick your hand up for me as well? Amazing. Lots of people. Lots of people. All right. If you are around these people, would you pray specifically that they would bring peace into that environment? 